I just felt led to kind of teach you how the kingdom of God works um, and, and how these things kind of work in this area and arena of life and what it has done for me and what I believe God wants to do for you. I did tell first service this. I felt uh, overwhelmingly compelled, and I'm not like the, the good news guy all the time who just comes in and is like, everything is wonderful, and there's blessings on the horizon of time. Like There have been plenty of seasons of my life where I have kind of sensed um, things that was going to be a tough season or a season that needed to be praised for <laughs> or prepared for or those kinds of things. But I really felt compelled uh, that there are many people in this room that there have been things that have been held up that have been prayed for and held up that have maybe even not been prayed for, but God wants to give that will be released um, in this season. Amen. And I genuinely, like... I, I've preached for 20 years now, so I know how to like preacher hype that and like use bigger body language and inflection of voice uh, to uh, communicate that point. And I probably should do more of those things, but I'm intentionally not doing that right now because I don't want to take away from what I believe like is just intrinsically the Lord that there there is some things that God wants to release, but in order for Him to release those things, there must be a release. Uh, that in God's kingdom, one of the things that will never pass away is sowing and reaping. Uh, it's as consistent as day and night, Scripture says. Uh, and that in order for there to be a release, uh, there must be a release. Years ago, I was in India, and I take a lot of mission trips. And I was in India, and my heart was breaking. I was at a pastor's um, conference. And we're there, and all of these pastors are there. And typically, this is one of those conferences I'll go in every year for because we, we pay for the conference. We bring in all of the pastors and their wives and just have a time of community and connection because how many of you know it's dangerous to do life alone, which is why you should get in a group uh, because we need each other. And so one of the biggest blessings of the conference is not just the preaching at the conference, but getting people in community. Uh, and getting uh, uh, people talking and connecting and get pastors' wives connected and pastors connected. So we put them all in a nice hotel and let them connect for a week, and then at nights we preach. And on this one particular night, I was scheduled to preach, and I was just crying. I cry. I don't know why, but, like, about spiritual things and about the things of God, like, I will cry. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't admit that uh, quite as freely. But anyway, uh, I was there on the front row and I'm like trying, like I've got the hanky, not because I'm sweating, but because I'm crying. And I was crying because I wanted to see God do more in the lives of these precious people. Like I, sincerely, like I watch the way that they pray and I'm like, we don't do that in America. And I watch the way that they worship and I'm like, this is, we don't do that in America. Um, and, and the way they, they stand and the, the persecution that they face. And um, I, I was just interceding for them. And what intercession is, it's a type of prayer because there's many types of prayer. You have the prayer of petition, you have the prayer of forgiveness, you have the prayer of consecration, you have the prayer of intercession. And those are just some. But in the prayer of intercession, what you're doing is you're placing one hand on somebody and another hand on God, and you're pulling the two together. And we need more intercessors, uh, people who know how to do this. I really sense like in the body of Christ, we have, have had a wave of people pass off the earth 
uh, and like Elijah throwing down his mantle, there are people in churches who need to pick up that mantle and become intercessors for their families and for their generations. How many of you know, some of you are in this room only because your grandmother prayed you through a season. Uh, and um, so you need to take up that mantle and pray your family through some things and pray your children through some things. That the plan of God, it's got to be prayed out. There's always, always, there has to be a voice that goes before the Lord. Uh, he confirms his word with signs following. We need to be more diligent in this. And so I was trying to do my part and like pray for these, these pastors and be like, God, I want to be John to their Jesus. I want to go before them and just pray out what they're going to do and, and ask for your blessing. And, and the Lord spoke this to my heart and he said, don't judge me unfaithful. And I kind of sensed in my prayers, there was a measure of accusation of like, God, you should be doing more. And I just felt like the Lord said, uh, Joel, I, I'm not talking about like audibly, but just in a knowing. Uh, the, the Bible talks about in the book of First John that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Isn't that interesting? I read that one day and I'm like, I don't know trigonometry. Uh, like, what do you mean, know all things? Uh, like that type of thing. That word unction means rubbing. Uh, it means like a smearing. And it means you know what you need to know. And so when God is speaking to you, there's a rubbing, there's a knowing, there's a tension. Something comes up, give 50,000, a knowing, not a voice uh, or not something even coming from the outside. You know, so oftentimes we, we're looking for the, the spectacular, but we're missing the supernatural. Um, we're looking for a firework and God's giving us a candle. Uh, we want something explosive and big, but the, the spirit of the man, the book of Proverbs says, is the candle of the Lord. Uh, and so there's like this knowing on the inside of us. And so just on the inside, I had this knowing of like, don't judge me unfaithful. He said, I'm always trying to bring things into people's lives. But he said, Joel, the two keys are unforgiveness and giving. He said, if I can't get something out of your heart and I can't get something out of your hand, there are certain things I can't bring into your life. Wow. Wow. And he said, these two things are universal issues. It doesn't matter if you're in India and in Las Vegas and Mississippi. In order for God to release, there must be a release. And if I'm not willing to give the release, I'm not putting myself in a position to receive a release. But if God can get something out of my hand and God can get something out of my heart, how many of you know God can bring something in my life? Uh, and this is what I feel compelled uh, in this service to talk about. So let's open up our Bibles. Um, I don't know if they can put this up on the screens. Uh, I did not give it to them beforehand. But let's look at a, a passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. Uh, this is one of my favorite parables. I've taught on it many times. Uh, Matthew chapter 25. And let's look here in verse number 14. Matthew 25 and 14. Uh, it says this, for the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking. How do, they, how do we know? They made it easy for us. They put it in red. Uh, so thank, thankful for that. For the kingdom of heaven. Now let's just stop right here right now. How many of you know if there's anyone who knows how heaven works, it would be Jesus? <laughs> right? If there's anyone who has kind of like a concept of heavenly things and how heaven works, it would be the Lord. 
And here Jesus is teaching, I want to teach you how heaven works. I want to teach you how the kingdom of God works in the earth. And he says, here we go. It's as if a man is traveling into a far country and calls unto him his own servants. Now, anytime you're reading a parable, you want to find God in the story and you want to find you in the story. So anytime you're reading this, don't just read scripture, let scripture read you. When you read a parable, you want to find God in the story, and you want to find you in the story. So if you're reading the, the story of the, the prodigal son, like we did uh, in the first service, you want to find God in the story. He's the father. You want to find you in the story. You're one of the two brothers, uh, and maybe you've been both in one season of your life uh, and that type of thing. So in here, you want to find God, and you want to find you. So as we're doing this, let's look at it. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven, verse 14, is as a man traveling into a far country. When I read this, I see I'm the man, uh, or God's the man, sorry. God's the man, he's traveling into a far country and calls his own servants. I'm the servants, and God is delivering unto me his goods. Now, I've got his goods underlined and in parentheses, and what that is telling me is everything in my life, it is not mine. It is his. I am not an owner, I am a steward. Uh, so uh, when, when God asks me to, to give something to, to, to City Light, it is not uh, something that I debate because it's not mine. Uh, I don't own this jacket. I steward it. I don't own these shoes. I, I steward them. Uh, I don't own a watch. I steward it. Uh, it's his goods. It's not mine. And so out of that, Jesus would often talk about these principles of stewardship. And with every one of the parables when he did, there was always a day of reckoning where he would come back and to see if people had been faithful with what he had given them. So in every one of the stories, there is a, we would call it today like a harvest time, a day of reckoning, uh, a judgment day. And people, when they hear judgment, they're like, oh. <laughs> that sounds very harsh. Well, it depends on the verdict you get. Uh, you could have a judgment um, uh, that goes in your favor uh, that completely turns things around, that you leave the judgment like, that was awesome, uh, because you got exactly what you needed. And there's other judgments that could go against you. But all judgment is, is a harvest of the seed that was sown. The judgment of the watermelon seed is a watermelon. The judgment of an orange seed is an orange. A harvest day is judgment day. It's a revelation of the seed that has been sown in the life of someone. And the issue is, is you don't know when harvest day comes uh, or the, the exact moment that it is. Uh, but there are certain moments in God, and I believe we're, we're in one and we're coming to one, uh, that out of it, uh, there is a revelation of the seed that a nation has sown, a revelation of a seed that a community has sown, a revelation of uh, the seed that a church has sown a revelation of a seed that people have sown. Um, and Judgment Day is indifferent. It just manifests the quality of the seed. Judgment is neither good nor bad. Uh, it's, it's just dependent upon what's been sowed. And so on this day of reckoning that we're going to find out here, watch what happens here in Matthew chapter 25. He says, God is saying, Jesus is saying, this is how the kingdom works. For the kingdom of heaven, is, uh, verse 14, as a man traveling into a far country, called his own servants, delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. To every man, this is underlined, to every man according to his several ability. Now that's interesting because here he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he's like, in the kingdom of God, not everybody gets the same thing. Well, I thought God loved us all. I thought God was no respecter of persons. He's not. He's not a respecter of persons, but apparently he is a respecter of other things. 
Um, and it's the truth with my children. I don't love my children any, any different. I love them all. I have three. I love them all the same. But I don't give them the same because some are a different level of maturity than others. There are certain things. Come on, somebody. There, there are certain things that my 14-year-old can handle that my 8-year-old cannot. And it's not that I don't want to give it to my eight-year-old yet. They just don't have the maturity in which to handle it. So if I gave it to them, it would be dangerous for them. And I don't care how much they ask for it. They're not ready to handle it. And this is what is going on here. To every man, he did not give to them according to his love for them. He gave to them according to their own ability to handle that which was given. Uh, and the, the good news about the parable is, is you can enhance your ability. That you may start off at this level, but if you show yourself faithful, you can take that up to the next level. And you when you're faithful with little, God will make you a rewarder of much. So the, the, the essence of the parable is just simply God is looking at all his children. He loves them all the same. He wants to give them all his goods. Every one of them. He wants to give unto them his goods. To some, he gives more than others. And the reason why he gives more of that to others is not because he loves more less or, or, or some more than others or some less than others. He's looking at their ability to handle which was given. So to one he gave five, to another one he gave two, and another one he gave one. Now you remember the story. The one who had five turned five into ten. And God comes to him in the story. This is how the kingdom of God works, Jesus says. He comes to him and says, well done, you good and what? Faithful, oh, come on, somebody, say it here at City Light, good and what? Faithful servant. You've been faithful with that which is little. Now I'll give you more. The guy who had two turned it into four. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with, with little. Now I'll give you more. The guy who had one, you know the story. He was unfaithful with it. He went out and out of fear and insecurity, did nothing with what God told him, with, with what God gave him. Now I want to emphasize this point. He did nothing with what God gave him. God placed in his life something to do something with, and he did nothing with what God gave him and had that taken away. Faithfulness is interesting. The Bible, we know this, that a faithful man shall abound in the blessings of the Lord. We see this principle shown all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament and an exhortation to be faithful. But I don't know if we've been as diligent as we need to with understanding how faithfulness is such a critical component uh, that is a determining factor with what all God is able to do with us. Faithfulness is different than excellence. Uh, there's a big difference. Now, there are rewards to excellence, but faithfulness is different than excellence. Uh, say I hired you to redo a half bathroom at my house, and I, I brought you in and said, I, I, I want to redo the half bathroom, and I'd like um, uh, white walls, and I'd like some marble on the floor, and I would like you know the, the cabinets to be made out of this type of wood, and just gave you the design for it. And you came into the bathroom, and I, I hand you the money to, to do it. Uh, and you go in, and you decide to do something completely different than what I asked you to do. Uh, and it's like, you know what? They asked for white walls, but I really think they need to be green. And after all, he doesn't know exactly what I know. And I've got a little bit more fashion sense than him, clearly. Look what he's wearing. Uh, like all of these types of things. So you, you come, and you decide like you know better than the instruction that is given. And so with excellence, wow. uh, you come and do it the way you saw fit. 
and acted like it was yours. And even though I gave you the money and it's mine, you painted the walls green and you did a wood floor and you did a hard surface countertop because you didn't want the, the wood to warp with water and you begin doing all these things and you show it to me and you're excited to show me what you've been working on. And you can't wait to show me the excellence and the craftsmanship you've been working on it with. But you open up the, the door and you find that I am standing there and I'm a little disappointed to say the least uh, because what mattered to me in this area was not your excellence, it was your diligence and your faithfulness to do what I asked you to do. And if you didn't do what I asked you to do, uh, then I'm sorry, like this changes the terms of, <laughs> of our agreement uh, because uh, I, I've asked for something very specific. And I get to choose whether or not to be a doer of that word or a hearer of it only. Wow. A faithful man will be blessed in his deed. And I think we have a lot of Christians today who, who, who prioritize excellence over faithfulness. And we live lives that are Instagram worthy where even our, our filters and our pictures are focused on excellence. But on the inside, there might be a missing ingredient of faithfulness and there's something in our life that God has asked for it to come out of our life, or there's something in our heart that God has asked to come out of our heart, or there's something in our hand that God has asked to come out of our hand, that as long as it's still there, it's limiting what all he can bring into our life. And until we release that, he can't release what he wants to release. Uh, you know, when we look at the miracles of Jesus, you know, one of my favorites is when Jesus turned water into wine, and it's just such a, a neat miracle. But here we're, we're looking at this. This is the first miracle of Jesus, and, you know, the story Jesus is told by his mom, they run out of wine, and he's like, my hour's not come, and she looks over at the guys, and she's like, whatever he tells you to do, do what? Do it. Whatever it is he has put on your heart, whatever it is that he's asking of you, whatever it is he's leading you in, whatever God has asked you to do, do it, and it becomes the key to all miracles. Now, here, what is interesting um, is how many of you know, in all of our lives, and including theirs, there could have been a thousand things that Jesus could have told them to course correct. Uh, like in our lives, there's a bunch of things that we could probably clean up, uh, whether it's uh, forgiveness or not being envious or not being jealous or in our giving or in our tithing uh, or in our love walk or in our hope. And this is why we come to church to figure out uh, what all these things are. I need to be more patient. I need to be kinder and I need to be nicer and like all of these other things that we could course correct. But the miracle was not hinging on any one of those things. And they could have stood before the governor of the feast and, and told the Lord and told the governor, like, but I've forgiven. Why is there no wine? And the Lord would say, well, what did I tell you to do? I told you a specific thing to do in this season of your life. How many of you know we serve a patient God? And like with children, it's dangerous to try to treat an eight-year-old and expect them to be like 18, that you know you will get them there. But in this season, this is what you're working on. We'll get to driving later, but right now, like, stop throwing things. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, in this season of life, uh, you work on specific things, knowing that in future seasons. And in God, there is always a rhema word. There is something specific that God is dealing with your heart about. So wow. That when you go and fill the water pots up with water to the brim 
and you draw out to the governor of the feast, it is then you see a miracle. What is God dealing with your heart about specifically? It is, I guarantee you, it is different from mine. And your miracle is hanging on you being a doer of that specific word for your life. And it looks completely different than mine. That there are general things that all of us could self-adjust and just reading scripture like we could see, we could do that. But there is a rhema word where God is specifically speaking something to our hearts. And when we are a doer of that, it opens up something in our life that could not be opened up any other way. Um, and in the same, well, actually, this was a year after that, that trip to India I was making mention of. There was one particular uh, minister uh, that the Lord years ago uh, told me to covenant with. Uh, I, we built our first facility, and um, there was a church member in our church who just had a heart for us and kind of saw what my family had walked through. Uh, with uh, just a lot of things and uh, the taxing that sometimes it can take in building. And they said, we want to take you on a vacation. So they took us on an Alaskan cruise, uh, fully paid for. Uh, and they're like, do you want to go? I'm like, yes. Somebody said, did you pray for it? No. I'm like, this is my burning bush, people. Uh, so I, 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 we went. And they also felt compelled to bring a missionary uh, to India. And my wife, um, for our anniversary, uh, had given me a nice watch. This, this watch was, was one of the nicer things I had in my life. Um, I think it was like $2,000, and it was something that she had saved up for for three years uh, to purchase and was steadily putting money away in small increments uh, so that she could give me uh, that for our anniversary. And so she gave it to me, uh, and I was blown away. And I loved it for um, many reasons, but one of the chief ones was um, it showed her love for me. And it just meant a lot. And so I was wearing it, and I'm on the cruise, and I'm with this um, missionary. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, I want you to covenant with him uh, to help him in his endeavors in India. And I want you to serve him in the nation of India serve him. Everybody, I'm telling you, everybody needs something and someone to serve. Everybody. I don't care who you are. The greatest, Jesus said, in the kingdom is the servant of all. Uh, And God will link up your heart to serve somebody. And for me, it was this man. And God told me, he's like, now I'm serious. I want you to cut covenant with him. And when he says he thirsts, you go to the well and you get the water. And I said, I'll do it, Lord. And he said, covenant always cuts. When you cut covenant, covenant always cuts. And he said, I want to cut in your heart so that you remember the covenant that you're cutting. I'm like, anything, Lord. (laughs) And he said, I want you to give him your watch. And I said, anything but that, Lord. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, I kid you not, I cried uh, because it meant that much to me. And somebody said, are you crying? I'm like, no, I'm watering my seed. i uh, like sowing it into his life. And um, it was something I could tell when I gave it to him that it did not count as much to him as it did to me. 
And that made the cut even stronger because I recognized I'm not doing this unto him. I'm doing it unto the Lord. And so from then on out, anytime he said he needed anything, I sacrificed our church to make it happen. Uh, and build buildings, orphanages, whatever's in your heart. If, if you ask for it, the answer is yes. Uh, because I am called by God to serve you, which means by nature of service is I am going to add more value to you than you even add to me. Uh, and so out of that, I just began to serve. Well, something came up, and I'll close with this. Something came up where he was wanting to build a building. And I, I saw kind of these things, and in my heart, because I've built buildings before, and in India, I saw that there were buildings there that he could go get. Uh, and, you know, kind of expand and grow and like those types of things. I'm like, well, we should just go do that. Like, because we could do it now. And I told him that, and it, it, it was not heard. And he bought the land and, and was, you know, going to build a building. And I was not su supporting it uh, like I knew I could because it was just a disagreement on what should happen. And this was about a year and a half. So uh, I went to India to go at the same conference I was talking about earlier. And it's done through his ministry. We pay for the whole thing. We paid for this conference. And I, I'm there, and we're going to the, the hotel, and this hotel, it was so neat, it was high up and looked over this train track in the middle of India. I mean, I love this room. It wasn't nice, but just the view of seeing like these trees and the people of India walking and a train just kind of going by. I'm like, this is, is beautiful. And I saw the train and it reminded me of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Like a train will go through dark tunnels, dark places, high places and low places. But as long as it's on track, there's an innate smoothness. That even through dark times, there's a peace and a smoothness that you can just sleep right through it. But you could take a train and put it through the most beautiful scenery, but let it get off track and there's a chaos that everybody can feel and sense. And when you're in the will of God, you can't base it off of all that you see. But when you're in the will of God, doing what God has called you to do, there's an innate smoothness in your heart where you know this is the Lord. Uh, but when you get off track, you can't base it off of what you may see. But on the inside, there's a tension. And if you'll pay attention to the tension, you'll get a leading. And I'm looking at this, this train, and I know I've got a tension in me. And I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what is this? And the Lord spoke to my heart and just dealt with me in just a real simple way. And he said, you have been, this is the key word, unfaithful. You have been unfaithful. And he brought up the instance I gave you, and I knew it. He said, you, you have withheld support and servanthood from the person I've connected you to based off of disagreement. And out of this, you have frustrated him and hindered the work in India. You've discouraged his heart by not uplifting his hands. You have discouraged his heart. You have hindered a work. And he brought me back to what he told me. He said, Joel, what did I tell you on that boat? And why did I ask you to give that watch? I said, covenant, Lord. 
He's like, I told you to serve his ministry. And he said, Joel, that's just it. It's his. It is not yours. This is not yours. What I have given another man is none of your business. And what he does with it is none of your business. Your job is to serve him. Your job is to help him. Your job is to uplift him. And he dealt with me on that. He said, besides that, do you honestly think everybody in your church uh, thinks what you do all the time is the smartest decision? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and trust me, I didn't have to think about that because if you're a pastor, you clearly know not everything that you do, uh, people think is the wisest decision. Uh, and out of that, he said, don't you want to reap a harvest of when people don't agree with your decision making all the time? that they don't withhold support like you are. Uh, and so out of that, I made a decision uh, to repent. <laughs> and repentance is not, I'm a terrible person because in Christ there is no shame. We, we, we deal, God never deals in shame. Anything that produces shame is from the pit of hell. Uh, God does not have a shame on you uh, type mentality. It's always shame off of you. With the, the devil, there's always condemnation. With God, there's always conviction. Conviction just simply says, change directions. The direction you're going in is dangerous. The road is out in front of you. Change, turn. And so whenever we repent, it's not like, I'm a terrible person. I've done horrible things. It's just, God, I understand. The direction that I'm going in is not good. I need to change directions. I need to point my heart in a different way. Um, and so uh, forgiveness is, is seldom silent. And when you're receiving forgiveness from someone, if you're trying to do it silent, it's probably not being done right. Uh, and so that night after the service, we were in the, the elevator and he said, hey, can you come to my room? He said, I have something I, I want to talk to you about. Uh, the missionary did. And I'm like, this is it. He knows too. Uh, Lord, I already repented. I don't need to be called out twice. And we, we get in the, the room and he hands me this leather bound journal. And he, he told me, uh, he said, Joel, uh, you have been such a strength to me. He said, you are my biggest supporter. We would not be where we are today without you. And I just want to say thank you. And I, I grabbed the journal, and I just started crying. And I, I told him, I said, well, it may seem that way on the, the natural. I said, in, in my heart, I've been unfaithful. Wow. And I told him why. And I said, I, I repent to you. The Lord told me to serve you. And that watch on your wrist is proof of that. Wow. And um, I said, I, I, I have uh, hindered you. And I've discouraged your heart, and the Lord has showed me that. And he started crying. And I told him that day, because we had just stood on property uh, that he'd bought. And I told him that day, I said, it'll, it'll, I'll make it my mission uh, to pay for that in its entirety. And we have. Uh, we built a Bible school and an orphanage and a church and paid for it all. I took a rock from the property and set it on my desk to remind myself of the vow that I had made. Now, anytime God asks you to release something, it's always because he's trying to. 
So before this moment, I'd been praying in my backyard in the spirit and I had a vision and I saw a church and the Lord said, you're going to need a church in Madison County, another campus. And he said, it's, it's coming to you. I, I, uh, Immediately got off the, the uh, you know, when I snapped out of it, called my brother-in-law. And I'm like, you're not going to believe this. Like, I just had a vision watering my grass. I'm like, I wasn't even trying to be spiritual. In fact, I was frustrated. Like, my grass was dying in the middle of summer. Uh, and like, God met me. And he's like, what about? And I said, he showed me we're going to need a building in Madison. And he said, bro, I just had a real estate agent call me five minutes ago and say, when are you going to do something in Madison? I'm like, well, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So we began looking at different buildings and there was this one piece of a property that was a church already on it, perfect location. We're standing in front of it. Uh, And me and my brother-in-law pull up to it and we're like, this would be perfect. I mean, it would be perfect. But I'm like, there's, there's no way they'd ever sell it. And then I also said, there's no way we could afford it because it would be at least 12 million, just at least. And we're, we had just built an $18.7 million facility uh, and we had made significant progress in, in paying it off um, and those types of things. Uh, but out of it, it's like the, the debt load would be too high to go do that type of campus. Um, and so out of that, we're looking at it, uh, but there's a, a witness there. Then I went to India and the Lord spoke to my heart. There's something I've been trying to release to you. And I, I, in all sincerity, hand before God, never in a million years did I ever imagine that facility. We do that. That was all. The Lord spoke to me about that campus in Madison in August. Went to India in October. February rolls around. I see another missionary and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I want you to release the biggest check you've ever cut in your life to this missionary. Uh, And so personally and from the church, biggest checks we'd ever cut. Two days later, I get a phone call from a businessman. He said, there's someone you need to have a meeting with. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, who, what? He's like, all I'll give you is where. He said, meet me at my office. And I went up there to this businessman's office and I, I walk in and there's the pastor of this church. He said, Joel, for months now, I've been praying and all I can see is your face. And on that day, he handed me the keys to that facility. I did not have to pay anything for it. Come on, somebody. I did not have to pay anything for it. I didn't buy it. The whole church just rolled over into ours. Somebody says, what'd you do? I fell down on my my knees and wept like Peter did before Jesus with a great multitude of fish. I fished all night and caught nothing. And in one moment, you gave me the whole lake. Do you know, I just sense this uh, just in my heart. Did you know God's been trying to do that in your lives? Like some of you very particularly and specifically, like a moment where God is so good that all you can do fall down on your knees and say that is the Lord a landmark moment in your faith for your family 
your soul to see God in the land of the living and his goodness. And when God gives it, he lays it beside you. It's not worked, it's not earned, it's just given. It's released. But did you know what stops a lot of his releasing? Is because there is still something in our hand or something in our heart that God has not been able to release from us. And until we sow that seed, God can't release his harvest. And so I, I genuinely believe that like what this church and your pastors have done in releasing what they released in, in August, I think God sent me here for no other reason other than to just say like, okay, that's made up. But I believe there's a grace that is about to hit this house in such a way that will propel it across the breadth of this city, this county, and this state. And God is sending this household, Aaron's and hers, who have enough strength to tell this couple and to tell this church, you sit down. You sit down. And we will come on the left of you, and we will come on the right of you, and we will choose to serve. And I think out of that, there is a blessing that will sustain that that Moses type of of anointing uh, throughout this place and throughout this church and throughout this nation and and literally take this this ministry internationally. And it could get there, but it would get there a whole lot faster when those key people release and step up next to serve and I'm telling you um, if you do that and give that seed of release there is a release that comes even in, in that breath and in that motion that will take your life farther than you ever could have imagined through the power of God let me pray for you Father I thank you for this house and I thank you for this church I thank you for uh, your pastors over this house, Father, we just we stretch forth our hands to, to the pastors that you have placed over this flock. And Father, I just thank you. I, I pledge in my heart to be a strength to them. Father, I thank you that you, you, you have made me uh, and assigned me to be a strength unto this house, to be a part of what this house is doing. And Father, I thank you that I just join in with those of like precious faith all around the world and we make a decision that if we have that clarion call to do the same thing. And Father, we just speak grace to them. We speak strength to them. We speak power unto them. Father, we thank you for the anointing of God resting upon them in greater ways than ever before. We love you, Father. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Joel, I need to release some things in my own life. There are just some some decisions and some things that I need to lay beside me and I need to lay down and some things in my past that need to be in my past that I just need to release. If you are here today and you just say, I want to surrender to the Lord. I've told all the other services this, but it's the truth. God does not need your perfection. He simply needs your surrender. And if you're here today and you say, I want to surrender to the Lord and I want to give my life to him afresh and anew, if that is you today, with heads, mouths, and eyes closed, no one's looking around. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? 
all over this room, hands going up all over the room. Amazing, amazing, amazing. <laughs> oh, the Lord loves you. Amazing. And let's just pray this prayer today. Just repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that my past is behind me. And today, I have heard your voice and I thank you, Lord. I will not harden my heart. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that this is the beginning of the greatest season of my life, my family, and this church. The past is over. And I thank you, Lord, that our future is brighter than ever. Today, Lord, I receive your mercy, your grace, your power, and your anointing to do what you've called me to do and to be what you've called me to be. And I thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we celebrate today, everyone who made a decision? Oh, come on, City Light! Oh, amazing.